fine morning, ain't it a great morning outside? Beautiful morning. Welcome to our party. This is the Dixie National version of what we call Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Party. It's called Gestalt Garden, and I'm your host, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. Our producer is the awesome Java Chapman, and we're going to have fun for the next hour or so. Coming up in today's pre-Valentine Day's broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up on what you can be doing in your southern garden. I share a few interesting emails and uh, one of my cheesiest music selections, which I adore being able to do every week here at MPB. But most importantly, we are live here at MPB. I'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. There's a lot of program folks to sit back join us as we take a few minutes of news before starting this informal party we call the gestalt garden here on mississippi public broadcasting this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture's fellow rushing and Java. We were just talking about the uh, rodeo in there. Oh, I know it. Yeah, we got to do that thing. Just a good morning. Ain't it a great morning? <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. We 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 all running a little. <laughs> well, we were in there. We were in there talking about the rodeo. Ever be? I mean, you know that thing. This ain't my first rodeo. Yeah. Well, I went to my first rodeo last night. <laughs> Well, and I heard you. Um, you had you had a good time. I've been to a few myself, and um, it's always a good experience. Well, it's just you know I, I've been to, you know I've been down there when they were doing this and that and the other. My daughter used to ride horses, and we watched barrel races and stuff. But I mean, bull riding and bucking broncos and barrel racing and calf roping and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I love one of the sponsors' uh, slogans. I love it. Ag up. Who is that? Well, you know, we're going to ag up today. You know, it's agriculture. Mississippi's number one, you know, income is agriculture. But I love that. We're going to ag up tonight. Okay. Let's just close to turn up. Now we're going to turn up tonight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I also picked up a copy of the Farmer's Market Bulletin. Now, this is the thing that's been published for decades by the by the Department of Agriculture. Yeah. It's where people advertise stuff. That I'm looking for a, a horse or I've got 20 acres in an old house to sell or, or uh, I've got a tractor. There you, know, you go. Some yeah, but they also have a thing in there for what they call, used to call it farm women, but now it's now it's uh, men and women, but people who grow things themselves in their gardens, okay. and they, they offer for sale. You can get a teaspoon seed of canna seeds, a teaspoon of uh, of, uh, of okra seeds. You can get uh, daylilies, a dollar a piece, oh, you know, okay. this kind of thing, fruit trees. But it's things that are grown here in Mississippi that they advertise through the market bulletin. So it's it, like a farmer's market in uh, yeah. on paper. Yeah, back before it was online, it was on paper. Well, they still have it on paper. But <laughs> anyway, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, perennial bulbs and flowers and seeds and shrubs and fruit trees. Anyway, the market bulletin. And if, folks, if you want to check it out, go to the Department of Agriculture's website. Let me see it would be. Mississippi Department, well, just do Department, uh, Mississippi Department of Agriculture. It'll take you to it. They've got probably have a big link for the market bulletin. Anyway, uh, uh, I was there with my sweetheart, and she said, "So she's, you know, she ain't from around here." And she said, "Hmm, kind of s- smells different here." I'm thinking, you got cows, you got cowboys, you got cotton candy, you got all horses. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's it's not a city uh, event, but anyway, Dixie National. One of the largest in the country. Just started last night. It's going to be going through next Wednesday. If y'all get a chance going down there, it was real easy and it was entertaining. It was fun. Corny. You got the uh, website for the market bulletin, uh, ms.gov uh-huh. slash market bulletin. Uh, real simple. Yeah. yeah, well, it's even simple. Just to Google Mississippi Market Bulletin <laughs> or, or something like that. And see, if you Google stuff, you don't even have to spell it right. If you got, if you, you know, if you do the website, you got to get it just right. Uh, hey, there's some some things going on. Uh, I, I really enjoy uh, this time of year because things are starting to to really come out. Um, but I noticed that we've got these azaleas starting to bloom here in central Mississippi. Azaleas are blooming. They've been doing it on the coast, and that ain't right. This is the middle of February. It ain't right for azaleas to be blooming yet. But they tell time by the amount of cold they get. When I have to get a certain amount of cold. 
first warm day that comes along, they start to bloom. That's what happens when you bring plants from other parts of the world together. Uh, native plants know to wait. But right now, I've seen around uh, the state blooming now azaleas, which are sort of like party girls, camellias, star magnolia, Japanese magnolia. i got a list here. Flowering quince, forsythia, that yellow forsythia, super fragrant winter honeysuckle shrubs, uh, paper whites and other uh, early narcissus, uh, snowflakes, Pansies, violas, dianthus. Um, made a, I had a, uh, some friends over the other night for some of my famous chilling, a roaring fire in the garden and tabletop. I made an arrangement that I stole from my neighbors. <laughs> I got some neighbors. They weren't they weren't in town. <laughs> so I went over and I got some of their paper whites, some real fragrant ones, and a camellia flower and some berries off the Nandina shrubs. So between the Nandina berries and a camellia paper whites, uh, look good, smells good, and it helps the cabin smell better too, which is a real blessing if you have a stinky old dog like Rusty. I also have uh, my hellebores blooming. Now Java... You know, most people don't even know what a hellebore is. You yeah, know, I'm scratching my head. Yeah, a lot of gardeners, you know, they know what Linton Rose is. But hellebore is a little leaf that's got nice leaves comes out of the ground about a foot or so tall and a foot and a half, two feet wide. And it has these upside-down flowers that bloom in the winter. And it's a real unusual plant. But anybody who's got a shade garden or wants color in the winter, hellebore is one of those plants been around forever, but they don't. You don't see them in Mississippi gardens because they're not real commonly available for sale. So, if you so see, how would uh, how do you get them? Well, you see, somebody's got one; they divide it with you. It's one of those plants that everybody who's got it, they probably got it from somebody else, unless it went online. You know, because there's a lot of places that that sell different kind of hellebores. Anyway, there's some fantastic ones out there. Just people don't know about it because it's not what I call mainstream. Now, talking about mainstream, Valentine's Day coming up, and I, I got, I guess, you the right person to ask. Um, are roses, like, what you should have right now, or? No. Uh, well, actually, you know, I've got, and, you know, we, we're going to do the emails in a little while, but I've been getting a whole bunch of emails about pruning, and several from people say my roses are leafing out. Is it too late to prune them? But because uh, this time of year is when people prune the rose, they cut them back, because otherwise they get big and tall and leggy and willowy and, you know. But if you cut them back really hard to like knee high or even lower, they come out real strong with more flowers, more sturdy stems. You know, so this time you had to prune, and some people say, "Well, mine's already got leaves on them." I'm saying, "So what? You would have cut that off anyway. If you'd have cut it off last month, you wouldn't see those leaves coming out right now because they wouldn't be there." But this time of year to, to prune roses, uh, I guess traditionally people give uh, flowers and you know, sweets and stuff like that to the sweetheart of Valentine's Day. But if you're going to get, get, get roses, they could come from Ecuador or California or someplace, not from around here. Yeah, so like, uh, I guess, what's a traditional uh, or like this time of year uh, flower that will be, uh, I guess, still make your old lady happy? <laughs> yeah, well, camellia, you know. If uh, you know if she knows it, she'll know that it's a real special plant. Camellias are sort of evergreen. They got big green leaves year round, and they got these look like big big roses, and they're terrific uh, 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 plants. Uh, good flowers always in the wintertime, and if she doesn't know it's a camellia, it's still okay. It's still cool. Yeah, okay. Uh, but let me let me suggest this. You know, since you brought that up, this would be a great time if you can't give a rose flower to somebody, give them a rose bush. Ah. Go to garden center, get you a nice rose bush, put a little ribbon around it, you know, and that's and if you're really really good, offer to dig a hole, plant it for them. And watch your love grow. <laughs> <laughs> you catch on real quick there, Java. You know, this, as, as they say in England, you're not as green as your cabbage looking. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then we got some other stuff, folks. So we're going to be taking phone calls. They're starting to roll in right now. But I would like to mention that um, uh, this there's some things going on um, coming up real soon. Let me see. I have my, my emails. Upcoming events. Here we go. The Mobile... Area Orchid Society. That's the name, the Mobile Area Orchid Society. Uh, they're going to be having their their um, orchid show and plant sales. It's going to be next weekend, February 17th through 19th. Uh, it's got all sorts of, uh, of, of if you want to grow orchids, want to learn how to grow orchids, they can have real interesting uh, plants for sale. But anyway, it's going to start next Friday. Uh, vendor's going to open at noon. Uh, and Saturday, the orchids are going to be judged, uh, the orchid show that morning. But from noon until it closes at, at uh, 5, and 
Then again, Sunday uh, opens at 9 and closes at 3. But that's the uh, Mobile Area Orchid Society show and sale. It's going to be at Bellingrath Homes and Gardens, a beautiful old estate garden. Uh, the guy who runs it there is an old, old friend of mine. He used to be with Callaway Gardens in Georgia. Anyway, that's in Theodore, Alabama. Uh, between uh, this thing, I can say between Pascagoula, Mississippi, Mobile, Alabama. Bellingrath Gardens is is a real fine place to visit any time of the year. But admission of the show, show and the vendor sales is free. But if you want to turn tour the gardens at home, be regular admission prices. Uh, also, this weekend, starting oh this Saturday, it's a free fruit tree seminar for gardeners. This is something I've been doing for several years. I have a real real good time. Uh, it's going to be starting at nine o'clock. It's free. It's going to be at Hutto's Garden Center which is on Ellis Avenue in Jackson. Um, You know, they have all these different, I mean, they sort of specialize in good fruit varieties and good fruit types and supplies for Mississippi, probably the top one in the state. But everything you need to know about choosing the right kinds of fruit that do well in the the yard, what varieties of each are the the, the most likely to do well without a bunch of sprays, how to plant them, how to prune them. Uh, If you... Choose those that tend to get some worms and blights, how to choose safe sprays for those. I've been doing this for several years for no lecture fee because I respect the folks that hut those uh, uh, for choosing really good fruits for our, our area. Um, and uh, though in full disclosure, I do occasionally get a few bags of mulch thrown in the back of my truck. I mean, Java, Java, you know, that's, you know, you can't, you can't get nothing. You got to get something. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, you know, a few bags of, throw some bags of potting soil in the back of my truck. Uh, One last thing before we go to the uh, phone calls, uh, before we take a quick break. Um, I am going to have something for sale there. I usually don't do this. I rarely talk about it, but I got a little book called Garden Hearts, a little small uh, bathroom or tabletop book. It's pictures I've taken on five continents of heart shapes in the garden, heart-shaped leaves, flowers with little uh, natural hearts on them, heart sculptures, heart gay. It's all about hearts in the garden with some of my favorite, most evocative quotes. Uh, it's called uh, Garden Hearts. And I'm going to have that for sale. I'm going to have it, uh, a whole bunch of them out in my truck. So if you come down to Hutto's for that fruit seminar, 9 o'clock Saturday morning, afterwards I got some Garden Heart books for your real sweetheart. So anyway, we're going to take a little break, do a couple of minutes of news and stuff. We've got a whole a bunch of phone calls here. We're going to jump on those when we get back. This is the Gestalt Garden. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, Kevin Farrell's in there uh, manning the phone, Sir Java Chapman, trying to keep me on the straight and narrow. We're going to be back with your phone calls and some emails here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Okay, those folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Got some emails here. Got a, uh, a bunch of phones. We're going to knock those out. But first, uh, I was having a conversation with uh, with my sweetheart about one of my favorite plants, which I grow because it's pretty. When you're tired of looking at it, you can eat it. But I like to grow kale. Uh, it grows in the wintertime, but I'm always talking about kale, this kale, that kale, purple kale, lacinata kale. And, and uh, anyway, I recorded this clip of a conversation she had. Let's run this job because it's so right on about MPB. It's been brought to your attention that you frequently recommend a particular type of kale. <laughs> they'll say lacinata and they'll say blue kale. And then they'll struggle with third one. The purple kind, but might struggle with that. But anyway, you go and ask them all. You can ask anybody down at MPB that listens to your program. <laughs> and if you don't know, they ain't listening. <laughs> if they don't know, they ain't listening. I love that. I love it. If you don't know, you ain't listening. <laughs> She's picking up the empty. Listen, we got some phone, uh, some some emails, but let's knock out some phone calls because that's what we're here for. Let's go down to Mobile. Hey, John, thank you for holding. What's up, man? I got a question about uh, stink bugs and tomatoes. Oh, they're nasty. Yeah, last year uh, I had uh, 
pretty much a whole crop of tomatoes damaged by the stink bug. Yeah. Seem to anything, nothing seemed to work on them. Yeah. Well, there there is there is something you can do. Um, one is, and this is not very you know not very fun or practical, but commercial growers a lot of times they'll 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 drape insect netting over them because tomatoes are are wind pollinated, so they'll still make those. But anyway, once the stink bugs get mature, John, they're almost. I mean, you can hardly kill those with a brick. I mean, they're really really hard, but they're fairly easy to control while they're small. And you know, the small ones sometimes they're kind of reddish colored, but uh, when the stink bugs first come out, they're very sensitive to even even natural insecticides. There's one called pyrethrin. Pyrethrin is natural. If you spray it late in the day, uh, it, it's not going to affect bees and all, but it'll control the, the uh, aphids, spider mite, and even small stink bugs before they get big enough to do damage. Once they get big right. enough, you just need to thump them because there's really not any spray that's going to kill mature stink bugs without poisoning your plants. Right. Okay. Or I can do, do the insect netting. Yeah, you know, and you know that's more expensive than the sprays. But again, pyrethrin is a natural uh, product. You know, it's it's it's, uh, it's it's not something you need to worry about from your health point of view. And again, if you spray late in the day, any bees that might be in the garden because they're insects too, uh, the bees right. are gone. You know, by by late afternoon and by morning, the pyrethrin will have done its job. And and it's you know you can also control them with liquid seven. So uh, you know if you'll but well, you I need tried to, that last year the liquid. In, uh, yeah, the seven dust won't work, but the liquid seven. But again, it only controls the small ones, and uh, not the big ones. So you might not even tell if it worked or not because you just see the big ones. Right. And uh, so yeah. you got to really stay on top of them, though. They're, okay. They're, they're they're a tough one. I'll take a look at the pyrethrin then. Okay. Good luck, John. Thanks for calling, right. man. Thank you. Okay. Now, coincidentally, but we're going to stay down in South uh, South Alabama, Grand Bay, and talk to another John. Hey, John. How are you? I'm doing good. What's up? Uh, you, you were talking about a plant that uh, flowers at this time of year, and I didn't yeah. catch. Could you spell it for yeah. me? Yeah, Hel- hellebore. Uh, H-E-L-L-E-B-O-R-E, hellebore. It's a great plant. Go online. There, there's there's a whole bunch of places to sell them. Um, I can't remember the name of the of the. There's there's one place in particular in West Virginia that has the most astounding hellebores for sale, and uh, oh I know it's it's uh it's called uh, Sun I think it's Sun Farm uh, anyway yeah S U N Farm a guy named Barry Glick G L I C K I got some of mine and this just they're they're unbelievable anyway uh, hellebores go online and do a thing for Sun Farm hellebore or Barry Glick. And uh, you'll you'll find uh, no no it might be Sunshine Farm I don't know. Okay, well if I if I uh, Google Hellebore I'll be able to find somebody right. Oh yeah, heck yeah! And if you can remember Barry Glick G L I C K I don't sell anything for him, but he's passionate about it. He has some most incredible ones I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I, that, I've had a question okay. for a long time. Uh, Azaleas and camellias don't reproduce with seeds, right? They do, but uh, it'd be you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find them. Uh, camellias, a lot of times in the fall, uh, you'll uh, in in the the springtime, you'll find these little uh, brown seed pods on on uh, on camellias. You can grow them from seed, but it takes five or six or seven years for them to get old enough to bloom. What's that? I've never noticed seeds. Well, they're, they're, they're little small seed pods uh, on the camellias. But, again, if you grow them from seed, that's how they hybridize these things. They cross-pollinate them and they grow the seeds. But it takes five or six or seven years for the seeds to get old enough to mature. So that's the reason they're grown from cuttings and grafted just quicker. Okay. Well, it look like, looks like I get shoots off the roots. Yeah. But I mean, but they do they some they, they do make seeds, but it's just not something most people fool with. By the way, if you get some hellebores, they need to be in the shade. They're shade plants. Shade plants. Yep. Okay. All right. Appreciate your call, John. Thank you, man. Okay, now let's go to Woodville. Lee, how are you this morning? Good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. What Good can we... morning to Kevin and to Java. Y'all breaking me in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He's doing fine. What can we help you with, sir? Look, um, I heard you talking about the flowers in the spring. Uh-huh. I think there's two comments I want to make. One comment is always remember that that Carolina jasmine and that blue wisteria, we see it all the time down 61 and 24 here in southwest Mississippi. Yeah. When you see that 
Carolina, Jasmine, and that wisteria come out fluffy, you can almost bet a spring is a coming. That's right. And two, I heard the people talking to you about the roses. Uh-huh. If I am correct, my mother, she always did, my late mother, she always got roses throughout the years from a company called Jackson and Perkins in Medford, Oregon. Yeah. And what they would tell you was when the leaves come out, once that flower blooms, you count back to where it's a three or when you get to the fifth leaf, you clip it off right there and it's you to come right up. And I'm going to hang up and let you talk. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. You know, I've heard that all my horticulture career also prune roses back to a five leaflet leaf. But the truth is, anybody that's been growing blonde, you can prune those, you can prune rose bushes with cherry bombs. <laughs> you can whack them back with a deer and they'll put out new growth. But if you do, when they get through bloom, if you cut them back a, a little bit, they will come out with stronger, faster flowering growth. But Prune them pretty hard in February and then lightly uh, clean them up after they bloom uh, just every now and then in the summertime, and they'll do fine. That Carolina jasmine, Carolina jessamine, it's a native vine with yellow flowers, and the the Asian plant we call wisteria, they are true harbingers of spring. Now let's go down to Mobile. Hey, Will, good morning, sir. Good morning. What can I help you with? My uh, third grade granddaughter uh-huh. uh her class gave uh, cabbage plants to every student and challenged them to see who could grow the largest cabbage yeah now uh i need to help her with she thinks she wants to do it in a container so i need to know what size container she needs to have and uh, any pointers you can give us. Okay, first and foremost, they will grow in containers. It doesn't have to be very big because if it's a big pot, if she waters a lot, it'll stay too wet. Little pot, it'll dry out real fast or it'll fall over. So I'm going to say something about what they call a gallon or two gallon size pot. You know, something you can't put your hands around, but you know, it's still kind of small. Uh, with okay. some good potting soil. Uh, if she wants to get the most out, she needs to put it out in the sun all the time. And if it gets cold, they don't care. They like cold weather. Uh, but to, to fertilize it with the stuff, and I don't sell fertilizer. This is what I use. I use this stuff called miracle Grow. But when it says mix uh, uh, that little thing in a gallon of water, the little scoop, put it in, put a half a scoop, half-strength fertilizer about every third time she waters. But in other words, don't push it with too much fertilizer. And But miracle Grow is a good all-purpose fertilizer for Potted plants, it's got the little micronutrients and stuff that other fertilizers may not have, and that the plant needs full sun and cool weather. Okay. Well, we're going to have fun with this. All right. Y'all you do have fun. And, and uh, while you're at it, go ahead and get you a pot and plant something, put something beside it so the two of y'all grow something together. Okay. All right, man. Appreciate it, Will. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we're going to, after the uh, cheesy music, we'll, we're going to do some. Uh, some of the uh, uh, emails, but let's go to Thomas in Macomb. Hey, Thomas, good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, fine. You said one time not to use weed, weed killer and fertilize at the same time. That's right. Weed okay. and feed, bad combination. Okay. Now I've got clover in my garden and my yard, but I heard not to use uh, weed killer in your garden. I'm just going to have to just... Get the weeds out by hand. All right, in my gar in my yard. Okay, when's the time to use weed killer for my uh, yard? Okay, this is the you know January, February, January, early February. The weeds are still small. They're real easy to control. Once they start getting bigger, once they start to flower a lot, weed killers don't work as well. Plus, you're more likely to damage your grass if you wait a little bit. So the best time to spray for weeds in the lawn is going to be a nice warm day in January or early February. And a matter of fact, I had something about that in today's Clear and Ledger. Uh, It's way too early to fertilize grass. I could give five good, solid individual reasons why you should wait to fertilize your grass until it's been greened up and mowed a time or two. We're looking at our, uh, middle of April before you should put fertilizer on the grass. Now, this is not my opinion. This is based on turf science. It's in, in every nonprofit turf manual in the south from Texas to the Carolinas. So people who sell that stuff are selling convenience, not health. 
So anyway, weed and feed is a bad combination. Good products. I compare it to uh, uh, sugar and toothpaste. We like sugar. Toothpaste is good. But you don't have a toothpaste that's got sugar in it. It's just not a good combination. So anyway, in your, in your, your garden... You know, the best thing to do is is uh, till those weeds under and let them turn into organic matter to improve your soil. Oh, okay. Now, would you use granule weed killer? No, let's no let no killer? let's let's use a liquid spray. You get much better coverage, better control, faster by using a liquid spray and a nice. Again, this would be a perfect week, a nice warm day in in uh, February. Uh, the, and and by the way, it's better to spray a couple of times lightly than one heavy dose. But anyway, this yeah. is the time time to do it. I'd use a liquid spray once or twice, kind of light, and get it done as soon as you can because it's getting late. All right. Now, this is mainly for clover. It doesn't matter. Clover, dandelions, yeah. wild onions, garlic. By the way, those things right. are great for bees. If you can live with them, you know, they're not hurting anything. By the time you mow your grass a time or two, they're gone for the year. So you could actually have a winter meadow and a summer lawn. That you know they they they're not uh, you know this it's not a dichotomy there. So you could fertilize your grass later on and just leave the clover alone right now and just let it do it like that. Absolutely, and plus it leaves the uh, the uh, Easter Bunny a place to lay eggs. Okay. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate Thank your you. call. Appreciate. It. Okay, we got uh, plenty of time to talk about about um, gardening. We're going to take some phone calls. We've got, I've got some emails, some real interesting emails. We're going to take a quick break and do some cheesy music. I got all fired up about agriculture. Oh, you want to take the call? He said, push the button. Mikey is in Mobile. Hey, Mikey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, thank you for uh, helping me here yeah. again. Um, uh, my question today is, uh, will a vining, uh, which is a prolifically vining, uh, rose, wild rose. It, it was called Ms. B. It was given to my mother, uh, and it was the last plant that she ever gave me. Mm-hmm. Well, Will it grow in semi-marshy areas as a fencing tactic? It might, but what I would do is I would work up the dirt where you're going to plant it. I'd put the rose on top of the ground and pile soil up to it over about a two- or three-foot area, sort of like a pitcher's mound, so, it, so part of it is raised up during wet spells. In other words, planted okay, well, on the high it, side. Oh yes, sir. It's a, it's a pretty much wet, you know, a lot of time. And not not it's, the it's not, the area, the edge of an, a wetland. Area. Is, it's not not the best place. But the main thing is, if it stays wet, it won't grow. Roses don't like wet soils. But if you plant it high and mound soil up to it, then part of it will be above the ground during wet spells. So could I pl- uh, Put it. Uh, put a whole bunch of like. Um, uh, well, I mean, it's a composting. Type okay, let's, stuff, let's, you know? let's let's don't make it complicated. You know, if you want to add stuff to your native dirt, that'd be fine. But 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 pile it up. You know, and like a little pitcher's mound, just to raise it up above the marshy areas around it, and let's keep it uh, uh, keep it simple like that. Another suggestion. Okay, okay, we're, st- we're making a fencing. Okay, we're 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 starting to run out of time. We gotta we we gotta do some music. Get back to, to some emails. But what what oh, is it? Good. I love the music. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it, Mikey. I just I want to do it all. I want to do it all. But we gotta do some music. Got some emails to share with y'all. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a product of Mississippi Public Broadcast. And here's something about agriculture. I drove my through your haystack last night. I threw me pitchfork at your dog to keep quiet Now something's telling me that you're avoiding me Come on now, Gurney, you've got something I need But I've got a brand new combine harvester and I'll give you the key Come on now, let's get together in perfect harmony I've got 20 acres and you've got 43 I've got a brand new combine harvester and I'll give you the key. I'll stick by you, I'll give you all that you need. We'll have twins and triplets, I'm a mandal for speed. And you know I love you, darling, so give me your hand. But what I want the most is all your acres of land. Cause I've got a brand new combine harvester and I'll give you the key. Come on now, let's get together in perfect harmony. I've got 20 acres, and you've got 43. I've got a brand.
Download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You've got mail. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Bozeman. You've got mail. Wait, hey, 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 ah, yes. Mr. Bozeman. Yes, I do. I've got mail. I've got some really fun mail. And some of it's uh, really good questions that a lot of people are interested in and love to share. them. By the way, I got an email from, from a Charlotte Freeman. She says she found the cure for obesity. First, you plant daylilies in the shade, then put in a monkey grass border, then finally try to keep the monkey grass from taking over. You won't have time to gain weight. Uh, I've also got a, an email from uh, Rebecca. And Amory, and she was the one who said, I've always heard to wait till George Washington's birthday to cut back shrubs in the yard, but whether it's been warm, green leaves, new growth on the ends, should I cut them back anyway? And the answer is yes. Um, here's one from uh, someone named Ferg. I didn't get the whole name. She said, I was sort of confused about your call earlier when the lady mentioned peonies. I'm from the Midwest where we pronounce them peony. I realize when you're talking about your interview, and Mr. Croon, I've got plenty of peonies love to share if someone would please tell me how to grow them down here uh the ones i have uh came from my great grandpa's uh still growing going strong in kansas but 10 years ago in mississippi and they still don't uh bloom here's the deal on on uh, peonies or peonies the peony society says peony we say peony but i've heard people call them peonies doesn't really matter it's a great plant top 10 perennial but not for the deep or the lower south they need a long cold spell to set flower buds and then they need cool weather to bloom and so we have some varieties that will set flower buds in our winters, but it gets too hot and the flower buds don't open. They they just rot. It's called bud blasting. Uh, just because it gets too hot. There are some peonies, peonies that grow well in the lower south, but you have to choose them according to how they bloom. Early blooming varieties. If it doesn't say, then don't get it. But if you can go online or find some place that sells them called early blooming they get enough cold to bloom, and they bloom before it gets too hot. The classic one we have here in the South is called Festiva Maxima. Been around since the 1860s, white with a little splash of red or pink down in the flowers. They're early bloomers, and they'll do fine maybe on the Gulf Coast, but certainly anywhere else uh, in the South. Festiva Maxima, early blooming. Steve Ivey from Scuba wants to know if it's necessary to use dwarf fruit trees uh, if he wants to grow uh, fruit trees in containers. He wants to plant some peaches in containers. And the answer is yes. Uh, dwarf fruit trees are regular fruit trees grafted onto a rootstock that makes them grow slowly. So they're still regular fruit trees, but you do need to, to choose the dwarf varieties for containers and also for the yard. And you also need to prune them and to thin them to keep them compact or even dwarfing can get pretty big. Um, let me see. Here's one. Uh, I want to see if uh, 
Uh, this is a good one. I'm at the research this a little bit more. This uh, fellow named Erwin Thomas wanted to know what kind of bacteria is it that you put on the seeds of peas and beans and all to help them grow better. Uh, and it's called uh, uh, inoculating the seeds, and the peas, beans, uh, things like that, they will make better fertilizer for themselves if they're inoculated with this bacteria that helps. I think it's called rhizobium. I don't remember. Anyway, they don't need it to grow. You can grow perfectly good peas and beans, uh, things like that, without it. But if you want them to make fertilizer from the air for the next year's crop to turn into the dirt, it helps to inoculate them. Here in the South, we usually have plenty of that already in our soils, but in cool climates, wet places, sometimes it helps to inoculate the seeds. I'm going to get a little bit more information on this. Uh, I'm familiar with it. I know it's not necessary, but it can be helpful. I'm going to do a little bit more research uh, and get back with you about that next week. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of phone calls. Let's uh, start jumping in on right now because Charlene's been holding on from Bay St. Louis for a long time. Hey, Charlene. Good morning. How are you today? Fine. What's up? Um. I actually live in North Alabama, and I'm visiting down here. Uh huh. But we had a severe drought in North Alabama this past summer. We did too. Yeah, my friends at Huntsville Botanic Garden suffered terribly. My magnolia trees, and they are mature magnolia trees. All the leaves are dried and brown. Uh huh. And I'm just wondering, are they dead? No, they're they're not dead. Well, they they could, they could be, uh, and we do lose even native plants to severe drought, especially if it follows a wet spring like we had. Uh, let's wait and see. If the le- my rule of thumb is if the leaves are brown on a plant and they stick on it, that part of the plant is dead. That's my general rule of thumb. However, a lot of times they'll put out some new growth in the spring. They'll throw the old dead stuff off like they, like as if they were green. Because these plants, they drop their leaves later anyway. So I would wait till spring and see if they leaf out how they look before I make a decision about what to do about them. These are mature trees. I, I know. I know. I'm 12 years old. And I, I, I wish you used them to decorate in, the fall, in uh, December and course, was unable to use them, so I just hope they aren't dead. Uh, well, like, like, I'm real familiar with it. Like I say, pine trees, magnolia trees, we had drought that will kill mature trees that normally can take a 100 years of drought. Uh-huh. But uh, it just depends on the individual tree, what kind of soil it's in, whether the trunk was ever hit with a lawnmower, a lot of different factors like that. But again, best advice, and this is from a guy who taught the tree surgery course at Mississippi State, best thing to do is let's just wait and see, and if they don't look that good, it ain't like an old cat. You can just get rid of it and get you another one. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Good luck, Charlotte. Hey, thanks for calling in. If you get a chance up in North Alabama, go visit the folks at Huntsville Botanic Garden. Tell them I said hey. Now let's go to Waterford. Oh, Maxine, where's Waterford? Maxine. <laughs> She's got her phone. She turn listens. your radio down, Maxine. Maxine, turn your radio down. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it. She's off doing some other stuff now. Okay, we're going to have to move on. Maxine, next time, turn your radio down and call back. Uh, let's go now to, uh, I think I just pushed. Is this Becky? Yeah. Hey, I pushed the right button. What's up? Calling from Meridian. <laughs> yes, I have a suggestion for some cheesy music that I think you'll love, and so will your listeners. If you're not familiar with it already, keep it clean. I it is. It's a, it's a song called "Down Home Girl," and it's sung by Taj Mahal. Oh, I know that one. That's a great one. That is a great one. Down Home Girl. Yeah. Okay. I, I will. I will check it out when I get back to the shack. All right. Cool. Thanks, Thanks. Becky. Are you a down home girl? I am. I am. <laughs> Let's see what. As long as it's not in the suggestive lyrics, we'll see if we can get it in. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, thanks. All right. Bye. Now let's go to Newton and talk to Alton. Hey, Alton, I was at the community college here in Newton not long ago. It's a wonderful campus. What's you up? bet. It's a great place. What's up? Hey, look, I've got a pear tree, and it's probably eight or nine years old, and it only makes little knotty pears. They're not very big, maybe two inches in diameter, uh-huh. uh, and they and they hang on the tree and turn black. They never mature. And I'm just wondering if I need a pollinator or uh, what my problem might be. Well, if they're making fruit at all, then, then uh, here's, here's the, the bottom line on this. A lot of times fruits 
fruit trees, they may set fruit without a pollinator, but if they're not making seeds in that fruit, that fruit will get a certain size and it'll abort. And that may be what's happened here is they're, that they're, you know, they're trying to make a fruit, but it gets a certain stage, no seed inside it, it just shrivels up, falls off. That might yeah. be all that is to that. Um, need to, you know, there's some diseases that will cause some fruits to shrivel up, but usually see that on peaches and plums, not on apples or pears. So Right. Well, it, it doesn't produce much fruit. Yeah. I mean, you know, it'll just have, you know, it'll have 10 or 12 pears on it right up in the top but there's yeah. not very much fruit on it yeah. at all let's let's try this out is it a tall tr- really tall plant yeah it's probably 20 25 okay feet tall. well this ain't gonna be practical a lot of times it helps if you'll thin out in commercial growers people who grow fruit for a living they just cannot imagine not pruning every year home gardeners just don't do it but people who do well, it for fruit they prune every year this thins the trees out and what's left gets all the energy that would have gone to what you cut off. Uh, also, if you can reach a branch, if it starts to make pears, if you can reach a branch, um, when they get about the size of a marble, bend a branch over and pluck off all but one or two or three in a cluster. Now, this is called fruit thinning. And this is what, again, all commercial growers do it. it, it what happens is the, the two or three that you leave in a cluster get big and juicy as opposed to leaving uh, three or four or five there and they all get all you know runty and knobby. Okay. Okay. So, uh, that's better. And also, when they do that, you know, take you know, take one down to the county extension office and uh, have them take a look at it, see if it's something we can spray for. Okay. Good deal. I also have a mayhaw tree. Yeah. It makes fruit, but they're gnarly looking, and they never really fully mature. Yeah. Uh, again, mayhaws are native. Uh, you typically see them in low wet areas. I don't know. You know, Newton's kind of a hilly country. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, the, the, you know they like to be. You see them naturally in areas that stay wet. Part, you know, in the the winter and spring, and then dry out in the summertime. So it may not be getting enough. Also, if the fruits are irregular, that may mean you just don't have enough bees working those flowers because. Um, you know, if the you know, the the fruit's going to fill out according to what kind of seeds it's got in it. And if it's improperly oh, okay. pollinated, they can be misshapen. You know, well, we, I've been thinking about getting me a hive of bees, so maybe that's what I need to do. Yeah, or else, uh, you know, just encourage your neighbors to leave the the you know the flowers and stuff alone out in their yards because there's a whole lot of lot of uh, bees and native pollinators out. You don't have to have. Matter of fact, you, our native pollinators, the little uh, uh, what they call them, mason bees or orchard bees. They're, right. they're, you know, they're, they're some some people call them sweat sweat bees. Sure, they're the most efficient pollinators. Uh, you know, they're they're they call blueberry bees. They pollinate the native blueberries and mayhaws. They're extremely active. They're very very efficient, uh, and you can actually buy a little tube of them and hang them out, and, and they'll come back and make holes in. Uh, I mean, they'll you can keep a hive of those going forever. They're a lot more efficient okay. than honeybees. Okay, well that's good information. Didn't know that. If you need well, a little, yeah, need a little bit more on that, shoot me an email. I can get more detail. But the the mason bees, the orchard bees, real efficient native pollinators for spring fruits. Good deal. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. All right, everybody. By the way, folks, I want to remind you that I've got a uh, free home fruit seminar coming up. Tomorrow, Saturday, starts at 9 o'clock. It's probably over, I don't know, 10 or 11. But we cover it all. Good types of fruits, the best varieties for our area, how to plant them, how to prune them. It's a free uh, seminar. Hutto's is on Ellis Avenue, right off Interstate 20 in Jackson. Starts at 9 o'clock. There's usually a lot of folks there, so get there early. I'll have some of my garden heart broke there, too. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. Uh, Java Chapman and I are bringing you this program called the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be back right after this. Got some lines open. Give us a call. Real easy. We'll be right back. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Uh, last weekend, I did a program with some master gardeners over at the Arkansas Delta. That was a whole lot of fun. I do programs for master gardeners or garden clubs in libraries. We always have a lot of fun, but it's because it's real informal and I don't sell anything. Although tomorrow at Hutto's, I will have some of my little garden heart book because it's, you know, right before Valentine's. Uh, by the way, while we're on the air, I got a, an email from uh, Deborah Zimmerman. She wants to know if she can prune her camellias after they finish blooming. And the answer is yes. If you need to, I think camellias look fine as small evergreen trees. You can cut out some of the lower branches, some of the lower limbs, and thin out some of the branches and have a nice-looking evergreen tree that blooms and maybe plant something else up under it. That way you don't have to ever prune it again. But the answer is yes, you can prune camellias after blooming. I wouldn't prune spring blooming things like azaleas till after they get through blueberries, even uh, things like hollies that make berries. Let's wait till they finish blooming before you prune those. She also knows where she can find a star magnolia. Uh, they're a small tree. They're really large. Well, they're, they're small trees. Are really pretty white flowers right now. Uh, garden centers can get these through their normal supply channels. If they want to give you customer service, they'll order some for you, just like they do in their regular orders. But Star Magnolia, wonderful winter blooming tree. I got another email from uh, uh, Amelia Green. She said voles seem to be making super highways in our yards, and the dogs dig holes everywhere to catch them. Um, guess voles are there for bugs or or, or what? Um, might be moles. Moles make the little humped-up tunnels. Voles don't. They just have thumb-sized holes, and they tunnel around. Moles eat earthworms, grubs, uh, things like that. And they're fairly easy to control if you want to with one of these mole traps. Uh, but voles tunnel around up under plants. They eat bulbs. They eat roots. They're plant eaters. They're really hard to control. I don't know of a good control for voles. Uh, but we can certainly talk about that next week. Um, anyway, not much we can help. Thanks for your emails about that. And you can email anytime during the week, garden at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Hasburg and see what Michael's up to. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm fine. What's up? Well, I have some, uh, we got chickens in our yard last year and having a blast doing that with the kids. And uh, our little vegetable garden, we keep them out of. But I'm trying to figure out, should it, is it okay to use their the waste, the chicken waste for fertilizer in it, and how, oh. how do I do that? Oh, yeah, it's, it's great fertilizer. Uh, you could put it directly around your plants, but it would be better if you have a little place where you can mix it up. Do, do they have bedding, or they just run wild in your yard? Well, uh, they do run wild in the yard, but I do have to clean out the coop itself. Yeah. Um, if if uh, you if you'll get your little compost pile going off to one side, it doesn't have to be very big. Pile all that up in the same place. Maybe add some grass, you know, some some leaves or something like that to it. After it kind of goes through a little bit of a heat and it kind of breaks down a little bit, you can use it. It's a lot less likely to burn your plants that way. Okay, so I don't have anything growing right now, so it's fine to throw it in now. Yeah. And let it break down and okay heck yeah i would you know any, I, I, I wouldn't pile it up real high because the stuff could be kind of strong but it's a great natural fertilizer sure and any suggestions for the uh, i'm about to start growing some stuff with the kids uh any suggestions on something quick and easy for them that they can uh maintain this, as far as it's, or it's it's a little early right now uh, for for summer stuff. It's real early. It's getting a little late for winter stuff. But you could try getting them to plant. I tell you, what, shoot me an email because this is a good conversation. But carrots, if you got a pretty good dirt, they can grow carrots. Uh, they can grow. You know, they might. You could plant some cabbage. You know, and get them to make some. Anyway, there's there's a lot of things where. We're at the beginning of the spring planting, but we're way early for the summer planting. I can't go wrong with herbs like uh, uh, rosemary, oregano, chives, and when it gets warmer, some basil. Kids get instant gratification for that. But shoot me an email, and we can get a little more, more detail about that. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate it, man. Right. Okay, I think we got time for one more. Let's go to Tupelo. Hey, Bart, what's up? Hey, um, I had a quick uh, question about something you mentioned earlier. Uh, when you were talking about the drought, uh, a young uh, lady called in about her trees. Right. You said that the uh, drought was really harsh on them, especially considering the really wet spring, and yeah. that confused me. How would a wet spring um, make it's, it worse? It's, it's a good question. What happens when growing conditions are great in the spring? Plants put on a lot of growth, a lot of green leafy growth, and you feel great. And all of a sudden, they're left hanging out there with an extra lush foliage, 
and the fossils turn off, so they got more leaves than normal because of the really good growing conditions. And their their roots end up being very shallow because they can't breathe down deep. So you end up with with shallow roots, lots of leafy growth, then all of a sudden nothing. And they're, they're, they don't have the deep roots to, to draw from during drought, and they got a lot more foliage than they normally would. And this just puts extra stress on them, that's all. Okay. Well, I appreciate you explaining that to That's me. a Thank good you. good question. Appreciate that. Thanks okay. for your call. It's like, how can you spray weed killers on the grass without killing the, 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 the grass? Well, grasses are, are, are a different kind of plant than broadleaf. Broadleaf plants like dandelions and henbit and clover are different kind of creature than true grasses. And they have weed killers that'll kill grasses, but not broadleaf plants. They have weed killers that kill broadleaf plants, but not grasses. In the case of St. Augustine, though, and Centipede, they can be damaged by weed killers if you spray them too strong or too often. So you have to be careful with St. Augustine and Centipede and what you spray and when you spray. When the grass is greening up in the spring, it's extremely sensitive to herbicides it can normally take. That's the reason I'm saying treat your weeds now, get it done, be done with it. Fertilize your grass after it's been mowed a time or two in the spring. And if you can live with some of those wildflowers, just live with them. And when it comes time to mow, they will be gone. Again, folks, that's uh, Valentine's uh, weekend coming up. I've got this Garden Heart book. I'm going to be at Hutto's Garden Center with this free home fruit seminar. We always have a lot of fun. Get there early because we'll get started at 9. It's usually a pretty good-sized crowd, and we can have everything, muscadines and figs and grapes and, and uh, pears and apples and blackberries and blueberries, and we can talk about it all and show you how to plant it, how to prune it, take care of it. Uh, if you can't make it, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to send you a free publication I've got on Growing Fruit at Home. Garden at mpbonline.org. Gestalt Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer laid back for hard work in Java Chapman. Our phone greeter has been Kevin Farrell. I'm your host, Phil Rushing. I'm going to think about all of you as I get out and do some stuff this beautiful February weekend. Hope to see some of y'all at the Home Fruit Seminar at Hutto's. Here's hoping your garden fair as well. If you get a chance to take a kid to a garden center or a farmer's market, take them out there and see if you can find an opportunity to show them what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.